I began this teaching series by telling you about my running experience that began in the seventh grade. Three miles every day is what we would do. I still remember the route because we did it almost every day. But on one occasion, I remember doing something different. Our coaches took us a, across the, the little highway that, that separated the, the junior high or the middle school from the high school. And on that day, they had us run the high school cross-country trail. Now, this is Vicksburg, Mississippi, which means back in the day, there was a lot of what we call gullies and ravines and all these just little dips that you would run through so much so you had to learn that that in those little dips if you didn't go all in running down you didn't have enough momentum it like you had to struggle to get up the other side it was it was a different level and for a bunch of seventh graders man we thought we were big stuff because we were running on the big boy trail today the Apostle Paul is about to usher us across the road and with the imagery of a spiritual race, he's going to teach us to run on the big boy trail. I'm telling you, God wants to show us something today. I'm really glad that you're here. I welcome you. It's good to be with you guys. And I want to say welcome to those who are joining us online. Um, if you do that on a regular basis, then you're going to recognize this is a little different setting coming to you from a little different spot. But it's one of those moments that I can say, hey, as a church, we, we would love to meet you in person. And so uh, it's a good moment to, to say, hey, check out the site, heartoflife.org. You can, you can check out all the different places that Heart of Life gathers. Um, if you're in the Lee Summit area, this is, this is one of those spots that we would just love um, to meet you in person. So thanks for taking the time for us to be together today. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we are. I'm going to pick it up with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15. Here's how it reads. All of us then who are varsity... Mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Mature is the word. Now this is a word that we wrestle with though. Because as is often is the case in the Bible, sometimes these words that, that come from a different language, that they will be translated a little bit different in different passages in the Bible. Um, this is one of those words we wrestle with because sometimes it's translated perfect. Perfect. Those who are perfect. For example, in, in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus says you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, that's pretty perfect. And it's the moments that leave us kind of maybe feeling left out, going, I don't even know if I qualify for this race, if perfection is the word. But I want to show you a couple of other places in Scripture that helps us really grasp what, 
what this word means. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, here's what Paul says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So we got parts, we, we got some, all right? But when the completeness comes, that word completeness, same word. That's the same word that we're reading in Philippians that, that, that's translated mature, right? So a, a, a differentiating between some parts versus the whole picture. But then what he does next actually helps us the most because he gives us a word picture. Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And all of a sudden, okay, that's, that's a picture for this word when he says, right? Not like a child, but like adult. So there's this thing that my wife does when it comes to our dog, all right? Our dog, like maybe one of those moments that her name's Pearl, she's whining at me because she wants me to do something that I'm not doing yet. Or she's doing something that she shouldn't be doing, and so I'm getting on to her for whatever that is. And my wife has this little thing that she says. It goes like this. She's just a baby. Except she does it in a southern draw, all right? She's just a baby. Pearl's eight. <laughs> she's not just a baby. Pearl weighs 55 pounds at the end of a long walk. All right, if you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you look at her and you go, she's not just a baby. You can just look at her and tell. The Apostle Paul today is going, you can look at people and you can tell who is just a baby and who is grown up, who is mature. Well, what is the indicator for him? Go back to verse 15 again in Philippians chapter 3. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, all right? Take such a view, or we, we might say think this way, or, or we want to say have this mindset, because that's a word in our, in our culture that we get, but this is another one of those words that it, it just doesn't, we don't have an English word that fully describes what this means, because it's not just about thinking, it's not just about a thought, it, it also involves a feeling, it involves a spirit, it involves a disposition, if you will. I'm going to make up a word attitude set. That's what it means. Have this attitude set. Have this view. Okay. What view? Paul, what are you talking about? Well, he's talking about what he's just unpacked for us in the verses previous. So go back to verse 10 and we'll understand, I think, what he's saying. Verse 10, I want to know who Christ. I, I, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What Paul's already told us is there is a surpassing worth, right? There is one thing in this life that is worth more than everything else put together. It's knowing Jesus. 
He's like, I want to know Jesus and I want to continue in, in knowing Jesus. That's what this race is. When we're talking about being a pace setter, it's in this race of knowing Jesus more and more. And Paul knows there's a finish line. And at the resurrection, he's going to see Jesus face to face. He's going to know him most fully. But in the meantime, he speaks of a power. A power of Jesus' resurrection. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that raised many of us in this room from the spiritual dead. That we were dead in our sin we were cut off from, from God, but God in miracle, his, his spirit has, not only has he forgiven us, but he has made us alive. That power of resurrection power that we can know Jesus. And the word know is not just an intellect. This is a, a word know that is like, I know that honey is sweet. And I don't know that honey is sweet just because I read it online. I know that honey is sweet because I tasted the honey that I bought last week. It's sweet. It's that. He's like, you, you can know him. And a significant part of knowing, Paul reminds us, happens in sufferings. A participation in Jesus sufferings. It's like you, there's no way to say that you know him fully if you don't know him in his sufferings. Well, why did he suffer? He was loving us. He was, he was serving us. And so here's where this goes, all right? When you and I are willing to take on whatever I'm going to call it hardship. Whatever suffering, whatever struggle, whatever hardships are required for us to follow Jesus, whatever, whatever struggles are, are, are required for us to serve him in the way that he calls us to, to follow him, Paul's saying that's a part of what it means to, to taste, to know him. Now, I'm not saying that it requires necessarily... I, a persecution at the level that Jesus was persecuted? We, we're not. I don't even think we have to say that it requires the hardships like the Apostle Paul has experienced. But here's what, I, here's what it means. It does mean that whatever our hardships may be, we are willing to go through those with Jesus. With him. Not turning our back on him, right? Not uh, angry with him for, for what is taking place in our life. But, but no, we are even able to receive in faith these circumstances that we are walking through because we are following him and we keep on running even in those sufferings to know him better and better. And Paul's saying, this is how the mature think. This is the view that the mature spiritually have. Remember back in chapter 2, we, we looked at that most famous passage. When, when people, you ask people to quote anything from Philippians, usually chapter 2 is where they're going to go. 
And this is what we learned in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He said, in your relationships with one another, have this same mindset as Christ Jesus. Guess what that word is? Attitude set. It's the same word. It's the same word that we're studying today. Take such a view. Have this mindset. What was it focused on? Humility. It was about Jesus who even though he's God, right, he would humble himself even to the point of death on a cross that that he would do that for us. And Paul's saying, this is how the mature run. They run with this view that I want to know Jesus' power and this is not a power that avoids suffering It's actually a power that allows me to walk through suffering with Jesus. Now, there's something else that happens in this context that I think is pretty cool, so I'm going to take the time to show it to you today. If you go back to verse 12, all right, same chapter, Philippians chapter 3, remember after, after Paul makes this statement about knowing Christ, knowing, participating in his suffering, right, wants to see the resurrection. Here's what he says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. He's saying, I'm not there yet. You know what that word is? Same word, mature. Same word, perfect. It's the same word. It's like Paul is working something here. He's on purpose using this language to help us grasp. He's saying, look, I I am running. I want to know Jesus more and more, but I want to make sure you understand I'm not claiming as though I have arrived. I haven't. I'm still running. But there is a maturity. There is a perfection, if you will, When you have this mindset that I'm pressing on to know him, right? And even in the suffering, I am pressing on to know him. There is a a humility that comes in all that. The maturity is an attitude of progress in knowing that Jesus, I want to know him better and better. And even in the suffering, I get to know him better and better. If you walk through suffering, and in that suffering, you are clinging to Jesus, that's when we would go, I think I, I, think I know. I think I know who he is. Because, I'm, I'm, But if we go through suffering, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to go further with this in a minute, so don't hear this as shame, all right? But if we go through suffering, and it becomes this anger, right? And it becomes this turn my back on him and I'm not following him anymore. We would conclude you're missing something that you should know about Jesus. You're seeing him in a way that is, you don't fully know him if you will turn from him in that way. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what he's dealing with here. We go, okay, Jeff, but I mean, that's kind of hard. That, that, that could be a difficult thing to, to, to swallow, and I think Paul knows that, and it's why he says the next thing he says. Back to verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, you know what that means? You might struggle with this. You might struggle with this. Now, just real quick, beginning of chapter 3, 
Paul talked about some dudes that he defined as dogs, right? That's not a term of affection. They are people who, who are claiming that you can, you, you, you earn this right relationship with God. They don't, they don't have this relationship with God by grace through faith in Jesus. Paul saying they are on the outside. They're trying to teach you something that is not true. Dogs. That's not who he's talking about here. Next week, you're going to read, I think it might be them again. He calls them enemies of the cross. He describes them. They are opposed, right, to, to following Jesus. That's not who Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about people who have rejected Jesus. He's talking about people who are struggling to follow. They're in the kingdom, but they have some error in their thinking. Perhaps what the error is in this particular case is maybe they are struggling with this whole participating in Jesus' suffering thing and they're going, no, right? We want to follow Jesus and we think that that should lead us to avoid all suffering, right? That maybe that's where their error is. They, they, they want to follow Jesus, but they're not understanding how this suffering piece works in. And Paul's like, hey, if you don't see this yet, in other words, there's a possibility that that you're not, you're not seeing what I'm saying, don't be mistaken. It does matter what you believe. And it does matter what you think. And the Bible's really clear that there are some instances where people look like they are in the church when they really do not have a relationship with Jesus. They don't belong to God's family. But there are also moments that people are in God's family. They just need to mature and understand something. And that is what Paul is dealing with here. So like, if that's you, you go, hey, I would admit I'm struggling with that. Then I got some really good news coming your way. Check out what it says. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. That's sweet. That like, even if I'm struggling with this, like I'm dealing with a God who loves me so much that Paul's going, he's going to show you. He's going to show you. He, he loves you enough. He cares enough that he's going to show you. That is encouraging to me. That is good news for me. Remember when Jesus had the conversation with the 12 and the question is, who do people say I am? And then he's like, who do you say I am? Remember that? Matthew 16 records, records part of that story. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. I just want to make sure that you know your Father in heaven is all about revealing who he is to you. I hope we don't ever get over that. Like, I hope we don't ever just take that as some sort of trivial news that the God of the universe is intentional about revealing those things to us. Back in the early part of Philippians, we read that verse. You can look at it again, verse 6 in chapter 1, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
I think this is part of what Paul's dealing with. He's like, look, the stuff that God started in you, he's drawn you to his family. You are starting to run this race. God's going to finish it because God's going God's to reveal. God's going to keep talking. He's going to keep growing you, right? But I want you to notice today what happens next in that context of chapter 1. It says in verse 9, Paul says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Here's the story. Paul says, what God started in you, he's going to finish. And then you know what Paul does next? He prays for them that God will finish it. Here's how that affects you and me, I think. We've got a God who enlightens the heart of people. This is supernatural. I had this conversation with somebody this week. I, I would say, for me, 99% of the time, God does that through his word. I read his word, he enlightens. He helps me to understand, all right? Maybe, some, maybe we would read it a little more if we really understood. It's not just an exercise in reading some words, but this is about a God who is supernaturally revealing to us. But as a pastor, there's sometimes... That like, I, I say something and like, I'm not real sure that people do it. Like, even though it's like coming, I'm just like going, here's what God's word says. So those of you who think you can't relate to that, it's kind of like being a parent. <laughs> when you're going, this is how it works. This is this. And you're like, I'm not sure they're getting it. So what do you do? You throw up your hands and you go, well, I tried. I tried. I gave you the goods and you know what? Now it's on you. No. Long time ago, God walked me through this little exercise of understanding. I don't get to just say, here's the goods. Here's the truth. You don't want to do it. It's on you. No. I say, here's the truth. And then he calls me to say, God, will you please open hearts? Will you please open hearts? Man, I just remind you, God, God, so good that he would reveal those things to us, but he also calls us to join him in that. We press on. The reason we press on is even for one another, which leads us to the last statement. In today's text, we're just doing 15 and 16. Look at what 16 says. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, I think a part of what Paul's saying here is, come on, you're going to finish. All right, so, so you've already attained some. There's already been uh, uh, advancing. There's already been progress as you run this race. C come on, you, you're going to finish. And the, the words, the word picture that literally exists within this little phrase is to stay in line. That's what it means, to stay in line. You could almost think like military, uh, in, a, in, a, in a military uh, position, a military line, if you will, in a sports picture, in a running, right, scenario, it would be stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And so here's the struggle. In our culture, stay in your lane 
kind of means mind your own business, right? Stay in your lane means you, you, got, you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. Stay in your lane and stay out of mind. That's not what I mean here when I say stay in your lane. What stay in your lane here means is God has been showing you how to run this race. Like, so live up to what he has already shown you, right? He's shown you some patterns, some, 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 some disciplines, some things in your life. The things that he's shown you, right? He says the road is narrow. There is a lane in which you run. And he's saying, I want you to keep running in that lane. Keep pushing forward with what God has showed you so far. God takes very serious your growth. So press on. But I also think there's an aspect of this where we should say, shouldn't we learn from what God has already shown us? Like live up to what, we should learn from what he's already shown us. Here's one of the great frustrations of, of, of our day in a day that is just saturated with information. People show up at church and they want new revelation. Right? They want some new to them that may mean information. To, new, to them that may mean some new something that we've never seen before. And the frustration for those of us who try to unpack that on a weekly basis is, but you didn't do the thing that I gave you last week to do. Right? And this is the vicious circle that can happen. We kind of laugh at that, but it's only because we don't understand how actually serious this is. Come on, listen, listen to what I'm about to say. You are not growing if you are not living what you're learning. I don't care how much you tell me you're, on, you're running this race to know Jesus better. You are not growing. You are not moving forward if you're not living what you're learning. And if you're not applying what God is revealing to you, you are making a choice to live a lie. Because I, I'm saying I'm following Jesus and I can tell you how to follow Jesus. This is the, but I'm not actually doing it. And so this is kind of like one of those checkpoints with Paul. This is, this is like one of those points where he's like, checkpoint before I unpack. And we got some more stuff to go. We're, we're, we're going to keep going in this series another, another couple of weeks. There's more to go, but he's like, check. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I love the fact that this is the point that gets us back to where we actually began this series in verse 17, where Paul's saying, stay, stay in your lane, keep running. And then he's like, come on, follow me. Follow my example. This is, where, this is where the pace setter imagery comes from. Follow my example, brothers and sisters. Just, just as you have us as a model, keep your eye on those who live as we do. He's like, come on, we, we got we to gotta all stay in our lane. We got to keep moving forward with what God has given us so far. You got this pattern of it began, right? God, he pursued you. He revealed the truth of who he is. You put your trust in Jesus and you began to follow. It, it began and God continues to reveal. This is who he is. And he opens his word to you and you attain. You attain and you press on. And then he, he continues to reveal. This is, this is who he is and, and you, you attain and you press on. 
And then even, even in the middle of suffering, right? Because you're following him, even in the middle of, of struggle, he, he continues to, to even in that reveal who he is. And so you are growing and knowing him more and more and you press on. And he reminds us in this context, we're not running alone. We're not running alone. Each of us are running and we're called to run in this lane, right? Keep running in what he showed you. This matters to more than just you. And every stage matters. Every lap matters. When I'm running these days, I don't pass very many people. I don't. I, I'm, I'm running, I'm moving, but I'm not passing very many people. I don't. But honestly, on, the, on one of the trails that I run, there is one guy that I see regularly on that trail, and I pass him. He's, he's the one I pass every single time. I just have to be careful that when I pass him, I don't, hit his cane. You think I'm making this up. I'm not making this up. Often on my run, he and I are in the same spot and I, and I pass him. And when I pass him, you know what it makes me want to do? Run. Like I don't look at him and go, seriously? A cane? I look at him and go, that dude is pressing forward. And you know what it makes me want to do? Press forward when I want to stop. Earlier in this series, there was a word for those of you who are young. A word that the Apostle Paul gave to a young Timothy saying, don't you let them look down on you because you're young. You be a pace setter. You be a pace setter in the way that you speak and the way you love and the way you live. You, you, you be a pace setter. But I hope you hear me today. There is also a word for the mature. You don't ever have to stop being a pace setter. No matter how many birthdays you have, how can that be? You don't ever stop pressing forward in this race of knowing Jesus better and better. So it's like stay in your lane. Stay in your lane because God has taught you some stuff throughout the years of, of running this race. God has, God has shown you, you have learned some things. Stay in your lane and keep running, keep moving forward. And especially when it comes to the attitude of walking through suffering. Because come on, can we be, I mean, sometimes as we get older, it feels like that suffering piece, it, it takes on new dynamics. Sometimes it's bigger dynamics, not only just the, the physical part of life, but, but just also the more you live, the more you see, the more you encounter, there is a suffering aspect to that. And the call is keep running because you know him. Run. Run. Like it looks like you believe 
him. Because you're going to finish. And that finish is going to be worth it. And in the meantime, you're helping the rest of us continue to run. You're like, Jeff, I just can't do what I once could do. It's not the requirement. Pick up your cane, stay in your lane, and press on. And when you do, you help me finish. And a whole lot of other people, too. So last week we learned a couple of questions that is really important to ask when we get some information, when God reveals some things to us. The first question is, how do I live that? How do I live that? Here's how you live that. Tell yourself the truth about you. Don't lie to you about you. Be honest about where you are in this walk, in this race, that you want to know him better and better. Let it create that holy discontent. You want to know him better. Second, measure yourself against Jesus. You can find somebody else that will make you feel great. Honestly, you can. You can find somebody else that will make you feel like a spiritual giant. But when you compare yourself to Jesus, then you know the truth. But here's the cool thing. That doesn't end with a shame of look how terrible I am. When you're walking with Jesus, it actually moves into, whoa, like I've been running with him for a while and he's been taking me like further along than I thought I would. But now that I'm looking at who he really is, he's going to grow me even more. Do these sound familiar? I gave them to you last week. Third one, trust God is at work in you. That's what we talked about today. He's revealing. He is revealing who he is to you. He's growing you up. He is intentional in that. Press on. And last, find some pace setters. Find some pace setters. Man, I don't know how to talk about this and not just slow down enough to go, God, please don't let this be another time that you reveal some truth to us and we log it and walk away. But we will ask the question, when will I live that? And may today be our let me pray for us. God, I want to just lift up first of all, maybe some folks hearing my voice who are going through some suffering. And I'm so grateful, God, that we know the truth about how you see us and that you don't take that lightly. God, you don't ignore us in our suffering. God, you are with us. And I'm asking today that maybe, God, for those of us that, that it has resulted in an anger, God, I'm asking that maybe even in our confusion today, though, that you would reveal the truth of who you are. And that today, by the power the resurrection, God, you would realign our attitude set to trust you even in the suffering. 
God, I would imagine that each of us are in a different place in terms of what we need to do next. From finding some pace setters to God, really trusting that you're at work in us. Because um, some of us just need to start by finally being truthful about where we are in our relationship with you. Today, I'm asking that as you speak, as you reveal, God, you will give us faith to follow. God, I thank you so much for a church family. you so much for allowing me to belong to a place where both young and old and all in between are willing to press on. God, may you give us perseverance to stay in our lane. Not in a way that stays out of everybody else's business, but actually stays in our lane in such a way that we help one another run. It's in the name of Jesus that I thank you.